Hello everyone, it's your people-friendly Kavi Central podcast and my name is Kwame and I'm here with Prosper and Ransford and please, a slight disclaimer, this is our Extreme Technicalities. We'll have a special kind of episodes which are called Extreme Technicalities. So this is our first one in this series and we are going to talk about the passion of Christ. In Extreme Technicalities though, you will need your Bible, your notebook and your thinking caps on because we're going to really really throw a lot of light on the details the little little details that we've been missing in the bible for a very very long time and so we'll go through it quickly and we'll discuss about it so our first extreme technicalities episode is about the passion of christ i mean it's the most controversial week in the history of mankind i mean don't you guys agree i mean because it's it's so controversial that a lot of religions attack or a lot of people attack the integrity of what happened during that week. And so we would like to go and look at this week from a biblical perspective, but then with an archaeological view, sort of. So we'll start with Palm Sunday. And for reference, so for our people following, it's our reference is Luke chapter number 19, the verse number 28 to 40. Okay? Luke 19. The verse number 28 to 40, Palm Sunday. So we know it as Hosiana. That's for our Ghana people. Hosiana, 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 Hosiana. Yes, there is a lot of stuff that went on within that week. So with Palm Sunday, one thing I'd like us to draw attention to is that we always take down the palm branches. We always take down the thing, but we never notice the donkey. You see the donkey? Now we're just jumping in, okay? So follow us. The donkey is a representation of us, humankind, man. Now, there is a passage in the Levitical Code that says that everything that opened the womb belonged to the Lord. Yes, that was including farm animals and human beings. Everything. So that was the principle of first fruits, the tithing. So the principle of the tithe was what was working here at play, that the first fruits belongs to the Lord. So therefore, if you read the... Accounts, Luke chapter number two about Jesus Christ. He says that they had to now go and dedicate Jesus at the temple on the eighth day after his circumcision. Um, circumcision sorry. And he had to present turtle doves and what? Because they were too poor to afford a lamb. That was the law of first fruits at play. Because every child that opened the womb belonged to the Lord. So here was the case that Jesus now had to be redeemed because according to Levitical code, every child belong to God, the firstborn, but then they needed to be bought back either at a numerical equivalent or with a sacrificial equivalent. That was either a lamb or if you were too poor to afford a lamb, um, a couple of pigeons, a couple of turtle doves. The yeah. pigeons were either white or speckled, which were representative of a sin offering. Then the turtle doves were white, so they were representative of God's purity. So therefore, you have to bring a sacrifice that represents your sin nature now being taken the place for God's purity before the child. So that was the sin of that was the offering of the first fruits. So the child that opened the womb belonged unto the Lord. Now the donkey was a firstborn. That was the quote, the fowl of a donkey. So therefore, Jesus now said, The Lord had need of. If you read that passage, he said, The Lord had need of that quote. Because that's what he said the disciples to do. And the people who thought, this was one assumption, that the assumption was that the people thought they were priests who were coming to take the donkey to go and break its neck. Because according to Levitical code, any animal that was opening the womb was sacrificed to God. If it was a horse or a donkey or a fowl or whatever, the neck is broken 
and is presented to the priest as a sacrifice because it was a shadow of Jesus Christ being the firstborn of all creation to come and then um, have his sins being saved for the world. Yeah. So he was slain for the world. Then, so they, but then Jesus came and came to take the donkey. So now the donkey had a condition. Its neck could not be broken if it was used. So if it was used now, it was no longer qualified for his neck to be broken. So Jesus Christ came to take the donkey and place his garments on it and sat on it. And then they were throwing palm leaves. Now the palm leaf is um, an uh, allusion to Isaiah's prophecy. Isaiah chapter number 40. It says that what? The desert shall blossom and that what? The, pasture, um, the barren land shall become a pasture. Right? And then springs of living water shall flow in the desert. The palm tree was a representative of how water can abound in the desert. Where a, a world desolate with sin, hope can spring up in that desolate world. Yeah. That was the representation of the palm tree. So now, Jesus Christ being the, being the palm tree that was representing the salvation of the world in the desert of sin. Now, Jesus Christ was now being laid down for him to be walked upon himself. So you see the picture now being made so clear. So here is the case that another donkey was now a picture of us, that Jesus Christ came for us. Where we're supposed to be dead in our sin, Jesus Christ came and said, that, hey, I want to use you. I want you. I've chosen you even before the foundations of the world. And therefore, our relevance is not in us being the first. Our relevance is that Jesus came for us because he was the first. That is the mystery of the Palm Sunday donkey. So here now, from Palm Sunday now, it takes us to the upper room where communion happened. And the reference now is Luke chapter 22, verse 14 to 22. So I'll leave that to Ransford to hand it to us. All right, so um, here we, we, I just need everyone to take note that we'll be reading a couple of scriptures. But before that, you know, the Bible says better is the end of a matter than its beginning. You know, so it is, it is great that Christ came and it is great to celebrate the birth of Christ. But more importantly, uh, we get the power of his death, uh, of his birth by his death. And even more, by his resurrection. Mm -hmm. So it is also very important to know what happened after the birth, which um, is the death. And so we want to look at the processes involved in the death. And, you know, we, we, we've come to a very crucial point called the communion. And I want us to take a scripture. Let's look at um, John chapter 6. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, God is so perfect. And the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4, let's look at that one first. That the soul that sins shall die. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, um, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Exactly. And God would go to every length to protect his integrity. And so if God is going to um, go by his word, then he has to judge every soul that sins. All right, and so and that's why we are we, we we we've taken time to go through this series. But let's go to my scripture, John chapter six. So John chapter number six, verse forty-seven. Let me read from the New King James. So it says, "Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread, which came down from heaven." If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Mm. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Then 
the Jews, that's verse 52, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. My flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. Let's end with uh, 56. Yes, sir. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Amen. 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 So Jesus explained um, a very important part of this whole salvation process with this statement that look, if you are going to have eternal life, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the people were wondering whether Jesus was um, pushing them to be cannibals. <laughs> you know? But Jesus was telling us a mystery. He was, he was, he was, you know, those times um, we, the Jews had what we called uh, Ramsey. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, a, it was a technical way of um, the, the, of rabbi teaching students. Yeah. So I won't tell you the actual thing. Because I want to push you to study. Yes. So I would rather show you clues. I would rather, and Jesus was a rabbi. Yeah. So I would rather show you clues. I would rather give you pointers so that I'll push you to study. That was one way that the rab, um, the Jewish um, rabbi taught their yeah, people. Yeah, that was the art of the rhetorical. Exactly. Where they leave something to hang and then they let you fill in the blank. Mm. So that way you are not being spoon fed, mm-hmm. but then you rather have a, person, a gradual revelation of what they are exactly. teaching you. So that was the art of the rhetorical, wow. according to the rabbi. So we, 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 we see it even when um, they bring, the Jewish leaders bring um, a woman caught in adultery to Jesus. Mm. And then they question Jesus that this is what Moses says. What do you say? <laughs> and Jesus bends down to write in the ground. And you realize that after they all left, and we don't ask ourselves why they left. He wrote on in the ground and then they left. But we, we, one of these days, we'll have a perfect session for all these things. But you know, the son of man, the son of salvation shall come. And the Bible says that he shall come writing in the ground. We'll take a look at that. So we've already seen that um, Jesus Christ pointed to them that, look, my flesh must be eaten and my, dra- my, my blood must be drunk, you know. And how did he establish this? It was through the communion. It was through what we call the Eucharist. Yes. And, you know, God had to, I already said that the soul that sins must die. So if God was going to judge um, humanity, then each one was to pay for his price. You know, each one was to die. You know, but we realized that one man came to take the sin of the whole world. And how did God do it? He did it through the communion. Now, at the uh, at meal, as they were seated and about to eat, Jesus told them that his um, this bread represents his flesh, you know, and the and the and the blood represents, um, sorry, and the wine represents his blood. And what he was doing at that moment was to you see, it's communion; it is common union. Mm. God was bringing the entirety of humanity into one union, into oneness with Christ. Exactly. So whatever he did with Christ, he has done it with it to all of us. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that was the idea behind it. So it is not enough to believe that Christ died for you. You also died in him. 
Yeah. Yeah. Galatians two twenty. Exactly. So, so yes, Paul could boldly say it. I've been crucified with Christ. Paul was not on the cross. Yeah. But he understood what God did to him through Christ or in Christ. Yeah. yeah. And that is what we need to understand. That is what the communion is all about. Come on. We were. It's a common union. We were put in Christ there. When you see the twelve disciples there, they were a representation of the entire human race. Mm. Entire yeah. human race was represented by twelve people. Jesus enacted the act of the communion by giving them bread that he had already called his body and also wine that he had already called his blood that if they are able to eat that if they're able to drink that then they have life yeah all right and you realize that right after that experience so that was how the transfer came that was how um, um jesus christ took upon the sin of the world and now the righteousness that he had was with man and man had become, it, it was a divine exchange there. And we see the consequence right after the communion. Jesus walks into Gethsemane. And then we see him in anguish. We see him in a lot of pain. We see him even negotiating with the Father to take away this cup. Because yeah. the burden of the, the, the sin of the whole world was now upon him. Yeah. And the Spirit of God had departed from him. You know, the Spirit of God is first called Holy. Yeah. You know, so yeah. he he in, in 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 the presence of the sin of the whole world, the spirit of God just had to separate. So Jesus cried on the cross, "Why have you forsaken me?" Because at, he he had lost that contact with God yeah. because of sin, and we had now become the righteousness of God. Yeah, that was what the communion was all about. Yeah, and the communion just to chip into the communion was. I think about one of the greatest mathematical equations mm. in history because in the cross is two equa- is two ad- um, factors of board mass, the addition and the subtraction. So there's one plus sign and there's one subtract. So you add them together, you get a cross. So now God added us to himself, but then he took away our sin. Mm. Through exactly, one. exactly, exactly. Through one. And the communion now speaks about, it's like a summary of that whole equation is the communion, the body that was... So if you read the passages, well, that's Luke 22, you see that he said that this is my body broken for uh, what? And this is the blood shed for what? A new covenant. Wow. Why? Because in Leviticus, it says, without wow. the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Remission of sin. Remission yeah. of sin. So wow. I think at this point, I'll leave it to Prosper to now link it with the Passover because the Passover story is from where wow. communion was derived from because the whole union is... Passover, but then the subset is communion. So let's go there. Exactly. Um, now we know that the Passover is actually in Exodus twelve. Mm-hmm. You know, but when we read the Passover, we see the lamp, we see all those things. But how then do all these things speak of Christ? The Bible said, Jesus Himself said in John five thirty nine, "Ye search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, for they are they which testify of me." And we know that when Jesus said the scriptures, he was referring to the Old Testament, not the New, because the New had not been written at that time. And he used a a very unique word in the Greek, search. Mm. You know, the word search there is actually a hunter's word. Yeah. Where the hunter chases the footsteps of of the beast step by step to get to the quarry or whatever they call it and lay hold of the beast, you know. So Jesus is saying how we can lay hold on him in scriptures. It's a a step-by-step approach. And that's what we are doing right now. Yeah. Then, how do we see Christ revealed in the Passover? Because on the day of the Passover, you know, um, the head of every family would take a lamb. In those days, there were two lambs. Mm -hmm. The Amnos 
and the onion. Mm. You know, there was a special lamp and the ordinary lamp. You know, and the, the, the head of the family actually takes a bronze signet, or a bronze tag, you know, and then tie it at the neck of the animal. And they write the initials of the family on the lamp. Mm. You know, so for instance, I'm Prosperica. So if I want to put my name on that lamp, I write PA. That's my initials. Because in Hebrew, every letter is a beautiful picture. So if I want to know where you come from, I'll just take the initials of your name and know, I mean, your background and everything. Yeah. So they write the initials on the neck of the animal. And this animal actually, after it has gone through examination and everything, you know, is, is killed on the 10th of Abib. That's when the, the Passover lamp is killed. And that was the exact day, the, the exact day Christ was also crucified on the cross. Yes. So for just, yeah. just a slide. So 10th of Abib in Gregorian terms is falls between March and April. Yeah. The main reason why I said March and April is because the Jewish calendar, Gregorian is 12, Jewish is 13. And yeah. it's a lunar calendar. Even that one, we'll talk about it in another Extreme Technicalities yeah. episode. But for now, so you see that it, that's where you realize that if you can easily calculate Easter, you can easily calculate Passover. Yeah. And if you can easily calculate Passover, you can easily tell where Easter is. So that's how they calculate for the Easter holidays and stuff because every Jewish calendar has a different cycle. Some Passovers will start in March, some will start in April. So for those of us who are getting a bit lost, it's the calendar of the Jews. Yeah, okay. So it was the same day Christ was um, crucified. And the Bible said they would take the blood and sprinkle it on, on the doorpost. They will use high soup. Is that not so? Mm-hmm. I would say they, they will use high soup. High soup actually speaks of Christ in his lowly incarnation. Yeah. You know, you can see that in First Kings chapter 4. Um, Solomon speaks of the cedars of Lebanon, from the cedar to the high soup. You know, so they would take it and then sprinkle it at the door from the lintel and then the side post. You know, lintel is, is, is like this and then side post is so. So vertical and horizontal. And it forms the cross. Yes. You know, and the Passover lamb was to be stretched on a pole. Mm. It, it was the exact pole. It, because in those days, there were four types of crosses. Yeah. There were four types of crosses. Yeah. There was the Crux Simplex, Crux Samesa, Crux Amesa, and the Crux Tecusata. So for those of us who don't know Greek, please. <laughs> the crosses were, were four. four. Yeah. There is the normal one we know. That is like the plus sign. There was one that was an X. We call it the Saint Andrew's Cross. Yeah. Then there was one with a double T, double T, which had a top and then a lower. And then there was one that was a pole. But Jesus was crucified on the plus, the yeah. one that we know. That's called the Cruz Samesa. Yes. Yeah. So Christ died on, on that cross. And remember, I said that on the Passover, there was a bronze signet. Remember, at the top of the cross, there was an inscription. Actually. Uh, I'm going to love this. Part. Actually. It, it is called the titulus. You know, it's called the superscription of his inscription. And, you know, Pilate wrote, Jesus Christ, the king of the Jews, in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. But when the scribes and Pharisees saw it, they were, I mean, they were furious. He said, they should clean it and write, I am Jesus Christ, the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, no, what okay. is written is written. Why? Because they took the initials of what Pilate wrote. Because what Pilate wrote, if you read, Actually, this is how it, it reads in Greek. Yehoshua Hanatat Vemelik Hehudim. 
If we take the initials of what, my God, if 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 we take the initials of what Pilate wrote, Yehoshua, Yo. H, the Malik, V, Hehudim, H, and then Yehoshua Hanat Vemelik Hehudim. If you put all the initials together, that's why we have Yod He Vat He. That's ah. what is called the sacred tetragrammaton. My God, that is Yahweh. So when they saw it, they saw that lamb from the family of God. They saw God himself on the cross. And so the rabbis are like, yeah. this cannot be. Yes. This cannot be. Please take it off. Because take when they, when they took the initial, they saw that God himself was on the cross. Mm. Yeah. And <laughs> yes. And um, uh, you know, the Bible says that, in fact, l- let me even move from there and come to Exodus 12 from 8 to 10. The Bible gave instructions as to how they should eat the Passover lamp. Yeah. The Bible said they should eat the legs, the intestines, and the head. That was the only thing they were commanded to eat. Why? To eat the leg is to have the work of Christ. <laughs> to eat the intestines is to have his inner life. To eat the head is to have the mind of Christ. But we know that before sins can be atoned for, number one, they have to be the sin offering. Yeah. Number two, they have to be a priest. Yes. And number three, they have to be the place where the offering is made. Yes. You know that Christ fulfilled all these things. Yes. Now, the Bible says that being justified freely by his grace through the redemption, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, you know, through the forbearance of God, I mean, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. Romans 3, 24, 25. The Bible said we've been justified freely. You know the word freely? The word freely, actually, if you go into etymology, where words are derived from, yeah. you realize that the word freely is where we have the root word for promiscuous. That is to say, justification is looking for any man or any woman to go to bed with. <laughs> <laughs> so in Christ, so this is the meaning, this is the meaning. It means that it's so now, it's so, so now in Christ, it means that now, because of Christ's sacrifice, God and now, we are now bedfellows. Uh, exactly. It's so free. It's so free now, yeah. but the Bible tells us in First John chapter two verse two that He's the propitiation for our sins, not for us only, but for the sins of the whole world. You see, and First John four verse ten that hearing His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and He set forth His Son to be a propitiation for our sins. The propitiation used for used in First John two verse two and First John four verse ten is the word. Hilasterion, which means a propitiatory sacrifice. Mm. So Christ is that sacrifice. We've established that fact. Christ is that sacrifice. But you remember, in Romans 3, 25, the Bible said, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through the, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So the Bible, in Romans 3, 25, and Hebrews, actually in Hebrews 9, 5, the Bible uses mercy seat. And the word propitiation and mercy seat used there actually is the word helasmos, mm. which means the place where propitiation is made. Mm. So Christ is the place. Remember Hebrews 2.17, wherefore it behooved him in, in all things to, make, to be made like unto his brethren, to be, made, to be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, that he might offer both gifts and sacrifices to make us reconciliation for, for, I mean, for the sins of the people. The word reconciliation used there is the word hilasterion, mm. which means the action of the of propitiation. So Christ is the offering. Christ mm. is the offerer. Christ is the place where the offering is made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, is where, this is where the last episode we spoke of that Jesus Christ had his high priest being transferred to him. Exactly. So now the 
order of Aaron ended with John, and the order of Melchizedek began with Christ. All in the same place exactly. at the River Jordan. Exactly. And now yeah. Jesus. And in fact, an interesting detail. Let me not forget. So there you realize that the soldiers gambled for his clothing. Exactly. It's written of him in Psalms mm. that he says that what? Now, of these, none of his bones were broken. Yeah. And that what they cast loss for yeah. my clothing. Mm. This was the same scripture that was speaking of him. So David before had seen Christ's day oh. and decided yeah. to prophesy yeah. of him. Yeah. And you see, what made his high priest um, not null and void was that his priestly garment, that was his effort. The garment there in Hebrew is effort. Yeah, effort. So his effort was there, single. So it was woven cloth. It wasn't so. No stitch was inside. What was this talking about? It was talking about Christ's righteousness, which was complete in itself. Yeah. It didn't need the stitching of men. Mm. It didn't need to be held together by men because yeah. stitching in the Hebrew language was actually meant, was actually done by men. So he says that, let not your hands touch the effort, but rather let it be woven of a single garment with the hole in the top. So therefore, when Caiaphas, the priest, tore his robe, he made null and void his priesthood. Mm. So, John had um, handed over priesthood to Jesus, but then there was still a priest who was in the office of Aaron. That was Caiaphas. Yeah. So when he <laughs> tore his heart a robe, then that's when Jesus Christ now became the full priest. Then the final, 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 final act that happened was when his garments were now battered and cast lost for. Then when he died and he shouted Tetelestai, I'll leave that one to you, Prosper. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so when he shouted Tetelestai, now in rabbinical culture, the veil that separated the inner gods, so the Ark of the where it covered the Ark of the Covenant, in Hebrew culture, is called the hem of God, the hem of God's garment. So now, there needed to be only and only one and only one high priest. God couldn't be priest and his son at the same time being priest. So this is what had to happen. One of them had to make their high priest null and void. But Jesus Christ was God and man, and he needed to be mediator. So God himself, who was his own priest, decided to make his priesthood null and void. So therefore, he took his hem of his garment, and then he rendered it in two. So therefore, the, the veil that was separating God and man, the Ark of the Covenant, and then the sight of the priest, was now rendered in two. So the hem of God's garment was cut. That curtain now was split in two. So that was signifying the way that now God no longer could be priest unto himself, meaning that he couldn't set the rules and regulations for his own mediator. Mediation. He had now left it to his son Jesus yeah. Christ, who now was now having likeness with us and has suffered with us. I, I didn't even talk about a lot of things in the Passover. How come the bones are not broken and all that? Yeah. But fast forward on the cross, he shouted, "The Telesta." Yeah, I think. What does it mean? Yeah, you know, the Telesta actually has had had different different uses in those days. In those days, the Telesta was, you know was used in commerce, you know, the Telesta was used in commerce, where if you are owing somebody, your debt will be written on parchment, mm -hmm. you know, but immediately you finish paying, they'll stamp it, the Telesta. Uh. So when Christ shouted the Telesta, our debt has been paid, fully paid on the cross. Yes. Number two, the Telesta actually, you know, was a domestic term, where when the servants finished with the biddings of the master, he would come and say, master, I have done what you asked me to do. Then he will say to Telesta. You know, when Christ said to Telesta, he came as a servant of God to fulfill all that the Father asked him to do. Hebrews. Lord you know, have come. Yeah. <laughs> number, number, number three, the Telesta actually was, in classical Greek, it was used to denote, to denote the end of an age and the beginning of a new age. Yes. So when he said to Telesta, telling us that the age of the law has ended, the age 
of grace has begun. Yes. Number two, number four, the telester was actually used in um, art. When an artist, you know, brings out a certain piece, which is his masterpiece, and this piece can never be improved again, you say the telester. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Jesus. You know, the word workmanship actually is the word masterpiece. The Greek word poema. Poema. Is, is the word poem. Yes, is where we get the root word poem or because poetry. Because we know that poetry does not just have to do with poetic writings. Any art that reveals the maker's wisdom and grand design is a poem. So if I see this phone, it tells me of the maker's wisdom because the workman is known by his works. Yes. yes. Heaven is not God's masterpiece. <laughs> Man is not God's masterpiece. Chai. <laughs> Man is not God's masterpiece. Mm. No, 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 no. I mean, even in the old creation, you know that the sun was not scorching like this. Mm-hmm. It was the fall that made the sun scorch like this. You remember, even before day and night was recorded in the Bible, there was already light in the Bible. Before the sun was created, there was light in verse 2. Yeah. <laughs> and scholars believe, actually, if you go into the Zohan Kadash, which is the rabbinical interpretation of the Pentateuch, they believe that that light shines or brightens 6,750 times than the sun. And it is reserved for the overcomers in the kingdom age. Yeah. The light, the sun was shining more than this. Yes, man was not getting scorched like this because there was a firmament that pre- prevented this, the deadly rays of the sun from reaching us. Mm. And that is actually going to be restored in the kingdom age. So there wasn't even, a Christ, not even. Yeah, even, <laughs> <laughs> even in before rain was first recorded in the Bible. The Bible, tell, the, the Bible tells us there went forth a mist uh-huh. from the earth. Uh-huh. That water, actually, according to Jewish scholars, is called the subterranean waters. And if you use that water for your aquarium, fish can grow three times their normal size. And if you use the, that water to water your corn, it can grow about 18 feet. Yeah. Yeah, just to cut in, experiments have been done to replicate because scientists also believe there was a time where the pressure that we are feeling now it's not actually the atmospheric pressure that was happening then. Exactly. Because even the fish was large. All <laughs> reptiles and everything that were grown in those conditions were actually five times bigger. They were giants. Yeah. yeah. They were giants. Yeah. So they also believe that the possibility of human beings being giants back then were also very yeah. feasible. Yeah. That was very visible. Yeah. But then, if I if you say we're going to the Passover deep. Yeah. If I will have to reserve <laughs> yeah. this one for them. So, so even that one. All those things were not God's masterpiece. Mm. Yeah. The church is God's masterpiece. Mm. Because the church is the highest revelation of God's wisdom. The church cannot be improved again. Yes. Yes. It can never be improved again. Yes. Because the nature, the intrinsic nature by which the church came into being is Christ Himself. Yes. Christ can never be improved. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that's God's masterpiece. So on the cross, when he said to Telesta, I mean, the church has come into being. That's that's the highest revelation of God's wisdom. That's why the Bible tells us even principalities, they are learning wisdom from us. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, you've carried us forward, but let's come back small. <laughs> so now, in fact, and just to add number eight for the Tetelesta, in the Hebrew, it's called Kula. Kula was the exclamation made when the sacrifice was accepted by God on yeah, high. Yeah. Because now they had a belief there was a white scarf that was tied to the door of the temple. And then it happened one of the Passovers that anytime God accepted a sacrifice, they had a belief that the, the white band 
the scarlet band will turn white. Yeah. Yes. So it was believed, according to rabbis, that on that day Jesus was crucified. When that white band, that red band turned white, it was white forever. So ever since to date, it's always been white. Meaning that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was once and for all. And Jesus Christ being the priest now had to shout, Kula, it is done. God yeah, has accepted yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so therefore, yeah. no longer is there need for sacrifice. Yeah, no longer is yeah. there need for rituals. No longer there is there need for it. Mm. As, as God wants you, come, come, come unto God. Let us come boldly before the throne of grace. It was done yeah. fully. Kula, it is done. Yeah. Mm. And even for that issue of scarlet, yeah, Isaiah made mention of it. In Isaiah 118. 118. Come let us be together. together. Mm. Though your, your sins, sins be as scarlet. scarlet. You know what Isaiah was trying to say in those days? Because the word scarlet used there was from two words in Hebrew. That's from the word double and the word permanent. And number two, it, it was for actually from a worm yes. called the cocos worm. The cocos worm. And those worms were actually found on the oaks of Mediterranean trees. Yes. And in the days of Isaiah, they would gather them in a basin and they would crush them. And the fluids that come out of them, they would use them to dye the garments of priests in the days of Isaiah. Mm. Yeah. And when they dye them, it's permanent. The color cannot be reversed again. Yes. So when he said, come, let us redeem together. Though your sins be as scarlet. He said, though your sins be double dyed in the dye of a cocos worm, yet when you come to Jesus, it shall be as white as snow. Wow. And it was fulfilled on the cross. That was, <laughs> though your sins wow. be as scarlet, they shall uh, be as white as snow. Though your sins be as scarlet as that of sin, you shall be called one of my sheep and you mm. shall be as white as wool. Yeah. Wow. That was what Jesus was saying wow. there in yeah. Isaiah 180. Yeah. Now let's go. In fact, the betrayal, the trials, the scourging, the crucifixion. I'll leave the scourging to Ransford. But then the betrayal. Now, there was a verse in Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12 and 13. Yes, but then here was a case that he came to fulfill a scripture and then Matthew quoted it of Judas being betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Yeah. Now, even with the Passover lamb, you know that the price of an average Passover lamb was 30 pieces of silver? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that betrayal was not a betrayal. It was a transaction. Yeah. It was a transaction. It says Satan came and took hold of Judas and went to the high priest and led him onto the garden for the, he knew where he ought to be because that's where they were always, they always found themselves there. So now Satan taking hold of Judas. Now Satan taking hold of Judas, just like Satan took hold of the snake in the garden. And now a transaction that had happened for the first Adam needed to happen with the second Adam. So therefore, here was the, what happened. So now Satan came and said that I have come to trade. Wow. And then that trade happened. And when that trade happened, here was the case. They handed him over to the authorities. And then he was there first at the priest. And the priest questioned him and questioned him. But then if you read the scriptures well, from throughout the gospel, it says Jesus remained silent. Why? Mm. This was the same thing that was happening in the garden. He was led when, as a lamb. He was a lamb. So, so, so. But another key to it was this. That in the garden, here was it. At God asked Adam, who is it? The woman you gave me. Mm. Then he asked the woman, the snake tempted him. The there was a transference of blame. But it wasn't a, just a transference of blame. It was a transference of authority. Authority, yeah. So the snake, and then when God came to the snake, mm. the snake didn't talk, but mm. kept quiet and received the punishment. The, yeah. Because with the receivement of the punishment, it yeah. was receiving authority. authority. Yeah. The same way too, he had now to go to the priest. The priest was the one responsible mm. for establishing the relationship between God yeah. and man. Yeah. And therefore, he stood before the priest and kept quiet. And mm. what happened? He said that, I adjure you by the name of the living God, that if ye be the son of God, prove us now and say you are. Yeah. And if Jesus had not 
said anything, he would have sinned because now he was invoked under oath. Oh so then God. he didn't even answer him, but he answered him by giving him a question back that, boys, boys, you know, be you, you talk. Yeah. So Jesus never said anything literally, mm. but he said that you've said it. Mm. But I'm telling you this in addition because now my your authority is complete because you've transferred authority. <laughs> in fact, that authority transfer now, there was a shake. Mm. But here was the case. So now he said that what you shall see the Son of Man coming down in the clouds of power. Yeah. And Caiaphas hearing this was now furious and he tore his garment. So then he tore his garment to make sure that the priest, priestly authority could not be transferred back. Mm. Yeah. So mm. now Aaron's lineage had ended. Melchizedek began. Mm. Then he went again to the king, Herod. So now Jesus no longer went as a rabbi anymore. Now he was a priest, now going to Herod. So when he went to Herod, Herod asked him all the kinds of questions and he didn't talk and he kept quiet. But he was, Herod was a pseudo king because he was a tetrarch. The real ruler was Pontius Pilate because he was a representative of Rome. And if you are the representative of Rome, you are the representative of Caesar. So you were Caesar in the flesh. Yeah. So the real person he had to speak to, to in order to be a king was Pontius Pilate. Yeah. So from Herod, he was taken back to Caiaphas. But then the priesthood was not avoid. So then he was taken to Pontius Pilate. And then he kept quiet. And he said, don't you know that I have the power to make you free or to be uh, a prisoner? And he said that you have no power unless it's been given to you. Meaning that at this point, I'm supposed to be here in order to take your authority. But then my kingdom is not of this world. Because if it were of this world, my disciples will fight for me. Yeah. But then, nevertheless, the one who handed you over to handed me over to you has the greater sin. So therefore, at that point, he became a king. And even what happened was that the the soldiers dressed him in a mock garment, gave him a crown, gave yeah. him a robe, gave him a scepter. But then it was a corruption of the true nature because we had a crown of thorns. Why? Because he said, "Curse is the ground; it shall bear up thorns because of iniquity." Yeah. So he bore our cases on the cross. He bore our cases. Then <laughs> he had a purple. He says he was given a purple robe, not mm. just any robe, a scarlet robe. Though your sins be double dyed in scarlet, <laughs> they shall be as white as snow. Though yeah. they be as crimson, they shall be as white yeah. as wool. He therefore they gave him a rod, mm. a shepherd's rod. It was the rod that was used to lash the sheep to guide them into the right way. So therefore he said that word, "Ye, I am the shepherd; ye are the sheep." I am the door. He are the sheep. <laughs> Though your sins be as crimson, yeah. they shall be as white as wool. Why would they be as white as wool? You were wearing the marks of crimson, but now yeah. you are washed. You are now my sheep with white washed wool. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so then he was the king shepherd, but he was holding the shepherd's rod, but he was holding the king's crown. Yeah. Oh my and God. then he went onto the cross and he was crucified. Yeah. So to conclude everything, there's not much time to talk about everything, but the, 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 the concept we've taken here is that Jesus really paid the price and he paid in full. You know, to even talk about um, the lashes he received and all those things, we it's, it's, it's already clear that he received um, 39. That's 40 minus 1. 40 minus 1. 40 save 1. All right, so 39 lashes. And after so many years, we've been able to categorize diseases in the world into 39 groups. 39 fire lumps. Yeah. So it, it, it <laughs> yeah. That's after so after so many years. Yeah. And 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 there's no way we are going to review it again. You see, it, it tells us the wisdom of God even ahead of time. And you know, there were conditions to the lamp. Yeah. Yeah. And we there's no time. There's no time. time. Without w- without spot, without blemish. Yeah. You, the, the bones must not be broken. Yeah. When they got to the cross, 
they felt Jesus was not dead yet. And, mm-hmm. and, and the centurion was attempting to break his legs so that he would suffer from a broken heart. There's, there's a medical view of it. Yeah. There's no time. But the pericardium what, what, and everything. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> the pressure. Yes, exactly. That the pressure exerted from the legs, oh, yeah. the exactly. lungs will collapse and exactly. will crush the heart. Yes, so, so therefore, Jesus will die from a crushed heart, yes, yes, literally. Yes. He died from heart and then, distress. Yeah, the heart distress. <laughs> and then also when they pierced his hands, yes. his owner and his radius were feeling extreme oh, yes. heat because there was an extremity of pressure on the central nerve, oh, he t- which he, was in t- the hand. He, 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 he understands what he's saying. <laughs> yeah. When, 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 when yeah, he's damage, a medical doctor. Me, I'm the Red when, Cross when guy. When you damage, you know, Oh my goodness! Let me let me let me tassel, tassel. From, from 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 the broken legs and all that. When you got there, Jesus was already there. There was no need to break his legs yeah. because the lamp, the, the the condition for the lamp was that no bone, no, no bone should be broken, you know. And he was talking about the piercings, you know, in his palms. When you pierce um, the, the 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 center of the palm, you you actually damage your median nerve. And in damaging your median nerve, you are going to get a claw hand. Oh, Jesus was trying to tell us that he, he has grasped us all. We are, we, we are, we, we, oh my goodness. Nothing can take us away from him. Exactly. Now, let me show you something to conclude. In Ephesians chapter 5. Okay. Let's read the scripture. Verse 27. Oh my. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church. I'm trying to tell you that Jesus paid it all. There is no reason to doubt that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or oh, wrinkle <laughs> or any satin, but it should be holy and without blemish. Yeah. You know, when you read this thing, you may easily you may easily escape or miss a lot of things. But look, let me just take one of the words. There's no time. Without not having spot or wrinkle. You may easily think it is normal wrinkling, but that's not what the Hebrew um, says. I think it's... it's, it's that's not what the Greek says. It, um, um, I think it is Rinsi. Rinsi. Let me confirm. Rutis. Is it Rutis? Ah, I, I, I missed it. Rutis. You know what Rutis is? Do you know what Rutis is? It's, it's not uh, your normal wrinkling. In those days, if you get a bride and it's time for the wedding ceremony, they sew a garment for the bride. And even in the sewing of the garment, they, I mean, oh, we, oh my the God, there's no time. The bride sews the garment herself. The bride sews we'll the garment. We'll have a part of this session. Don't the bride sews the garment for herself. And the garment, usually, the bride will leave pouches in the garment. Those are what we call the wrinkles. They are like pockets all over. So as the bride comes from the, the behind, you know, through the aisle, the most influential people in the society, the, the, the rich people are made to sit in the aisle. So as the bride comes, they put money into the wrinkles, into the money, so that the bride can pay for the expenses of the ceremony, yeah. after the ceremony, so that the bride and the groom can have a good start. Yeah. But Jesus says, my church is without wrinkle. I paid it all. Yeah. There's no need. I yeah. don't need contributions from rich people. <laughs> you are I not paid broke. it all. Yeah. Jesus hey! is not broke. Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's yeah. let's so just to conclude and just to summarize, we'll have another episode and we'll talk more about yeah, this. We'll, talk <laughs> Amen. Up, we'll have to talk from the scourging and the crucifixion yeah. because a lot of people don't really see the details. Wow. But next time, extreme technicalities will take you yeah. again. We'll take you again. It has been yeah, it has been a very, very wild ride, and we can't wait for part two. In fact, you should see us here in the studio. We are really geeking out, but don't worry, we'll come again, we'll come again. But do follow us, Calvary underscore Central, 
if you have any questions, any comments or anything, reach us there, DM us. We'll really get to you. My name is Kwame and then we have had a great time with you. God bless you and see you next time. Cheers. Have a lovely week. We love you and God bless you.